When I first moved to Colorado, I thought my first vacation as a Coloradan should be something very Colorado-y. I say that because I knew nothing about Colorado when I came here like 23-ish years ago. And so I thought, wouldn't it be awesome to do this epic, quintessential hike? So I called a friend and I said, hey, do you want to go on vacation with me this summer and let's hike the Continental Divide? Like, that would be so epic. And she said, well, do you have any, on any like hiking equipment or camping equipment? And I said, no. And she said, well, let's just borrow some. So we did. We like, I scrounged it up from a bunch of different people around the church. I said, hey, I have this idea. I'm going to help hike the Continental Divide. And I need things like a backpack with the metal around it and a sleeping bag that can get really, you know, keep you really warm. And I need like a tent. I need a water filtration system. I need a map of how to get there. And so I borrowed a bunch of different stuff from a bunch of random people. And at no point did any local person say, JL, do you you actually know how to read this map or hike in the mountains. Um, but if they had asked, I probably would have said yes, but it turns out I didn't. And so my friend from Wisconsin, which by the way, the altitude highest point in the state of Wisconsin is 540 feet above sea level. I pick her up at the airport and the two of us head to the Continental Divide. And I'm driving and she's in shotgun and so she's legit reading an old school map to figure out how we get to the trailhead ish area of the Continental Divide. Well, we pull off somewhere. She feels somewhat confident. I'm a little shaky, but we get on the trail and we start hiking. And as we start hiking, we're, we're starting at like 9,000 feet. And we're just going up and up and up and it's getting worse. And my Flatlander friends, which I'm like nine months a Colorado veteran by this point, and she's directly from Wisconsin. She's winded in about eight seconds. And after a while, we like actually merge with some real hikers. And I look at them and I'm like, we are not them. We might die. And so we continue hiking, of course. And um, I'm realizing that I'm not entirely sure how to exactly read this topographical map of how to hike. And I'm not 100% confident that I remember the directions on the water filtration thing. And I had no idea how heavy that tent was. And so we thought, we're going to hike three days and then, you know, obviously sleep twice and then hike two days back because downhill will be easier, we thought. And so we we hiked for a while and some hikers like they informed us yes this is the continental divide trail and I was like cool we're, we're killing it out here but um it wasn't easy to get water and then someone that hiked right past us going like warp speed they said that they had seen bears and heard heard from other hikers there were bears in this area and so they said you need to secure your food in the trees at night so being a good Colorado fake native, I acted like I knew what that meant, but didn't. And so that night we like took some part of the backpack and hoisted it up with a rope. And we had no idea how high it was. And we laid in our bed on night two and just legit straight up bald. Um, we were clearly way over our heads and thought we were definitely going to die. At some point in the night, we unzipped our sleeping bags and zipped them together so we could snuggle more to conserve warmth. And so low had we fallen that we decided immediately in the morning we were out. We were going to just turn around, hike home, and hope we didn't die. And when we pulled into the parking lot of my apartment, I cried happy tears. I hugged my apartment building and my toilet. Girls, you know what I'm saying. The, the toilet situation on the hiking trail was undesirable, shall we say. And it was really, it, I was just so happy to be home. 
There was something about being home that made me feel like I wasn't going to die and that I was maybe safe. And there's just something about the concept of home. There's something about the concept of home that makes you feel safe, that makes you feel known, that makes you feel loved. And walking in my home that day, I felt all of those things. And I hope that when you come to 4640, that's what you feel. I hope you feel safe. I hope you feel known. I hope you feel like this is your home. Because the truth is that this house belongs to God. And if you are a son or a daughter of God, then this is your house as well. This is your house. This is your couch. This is your ottoman slash snack spot. This is your spider jump and foam pit. This is your house. It belongs to you as a son or daughter of God. And as that, you and I have some responsibilities to take care of it and protect it and keep it strong. So I want to start at the beginning of like, how do we make 4640 home? How do we make it home for ourselves? Now, obviously, I'm not talking about moving in here physically, but I'm talking about this idea of owning this place because every other place we go, we're a little bit an alien, a little bit a foreigner, because the Bible tells us that this world is not our home, that our home, our residency belongs in heaven. And, and heaven is the only place where everything will be perfect and we'll feel perfectly at home. But a little slice of heaven on earth should be your church, should be your church family, should be 4640 on a Tuesday night. This is what home should be. And if you're going to have a home, you've got to protect it and you've got to own it. And you've got to have some strength to that. So I want to back up to the very beginning. Where did 4640 get its name? And where it is, is from the altitude of Grand Junction. The city height is 4,640 feet above sea level. And we thought that was kind of cool. And then we found a corresponding Bible verse that helps summarize who we are as 4640. And the way we got those numbers is it makes 4640 as well, is the four is from the fourth book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So John chapter six, verse 40 says this, and this is our theme, this is what we're about. For it is my Father's will, Jesus is talking, for it is my Father's will that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. And this verse, it defines the essence of who we are. It sets us apart from every other place you go. 4640 is kind of like a rec center at first glance, but it's completely different at a deeper level. We have cool stuff like bananas, but it's not bananas. It's an awesome place to hang out, but it's not Starbucks. So who 4640 is and what we are as the high schoolers of 4640 is we are people who fight for that verse to be true. John 640, that everyone would hear about the son and be raised up on the last day because of their relationship with him. That's our goal. And our mission here at 4640, again, that sets us apart from anywhere else in town is this. We reach, teach, tend, and send. That's our mission. Reach means we wanna reach. We wanna connect every teenager in the Grand Valley with Jesus. We wanna reach them for Christ. Second, we wanna teach them who Jesus is. We want them to understand the teachings of the Bible. We want you and your friends to understand the teachings of the Bible and get them and not just be like, ah, oh, some old lame book, but really understand what they mean. We want to tend. And tend simply means we want to take care of you. If your heart is broken, if you're wounded, if you're struggling, if you're angry, if you're depressed, if you're hitting this wall emotionally, we want to tend to that need in your heart. 
We want to bind up that wound and help protect it and help God get to that spot to heal in your heart. Reach, teach, tend, and send. And send ultimately means we want to send you out into your schools, out into your sports teams, out into the people you hang out with and help reach them. So it kind of becomes this circle. We, we reach you, we teach you, we tend you, we send you, and then you bring someone back who needs reaching, teaching, tending, and sending, and then they come back with someone who's ready to be reached, and the cycle continues. That's the mission of what we're trying to accomplish. Now, there's some examples of the Bible of places where God's people gathered, where God's presence was never felt. And I don't ever want that to be us. I don't ever want us to gather together as 4640, and it's just to feel like a rec center, just feel like a Starbucks. I want every time we come together for there to be this electric presence of God in the house. And, and some places do not have that. Even some churches do not have that. And here's what happens. In the Old Testament, God's presence was summarized and all contained in this box called the Ark of the Covenant. And that's where God's presence lives. God's presence nowadays doesn't live in a box. It lives within each one of us. God's presence resides inside you if you have a relationship with him. But this was not true before Jesus. So we tried to build an Ark of the Covenant. It's a little ghetto, I'm not gonna lie. In the olden days, the real Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament was actually made of finest gold. Everything about it was overlaid in solid gold. There were poles made of gold to carry it because it could never be put on a cart. The whole box itself was two-layered and the box itself was solid gold and then inside was hollow and solid gold. Then there were angels, we couldn't fake those, but giant angels whose wings spread over that were statues of gold. And inside the box of the Ark of the Covenant, certain things were kept that would remind the people of God's children of cool things that God had done in the past. So there were the tablets of the 10 commandments. This isn't the real ones. The 10 commandment tablets, there was a staff that signified a time when God proved that Moses and Aaron were talking to him and he knew. And then there was this jar of manna. I don't know if you remember the teaching about how when the children of Israel lived in the desert and they didn't have any food and God rained down this manna, which was, it literally means what is it, but it was some type of bread. And they kept all of that in the Ark of the Covenant. And the Bible says that God's presence somehow dwelt in a supernatural way between this angel that stood there and the angel that stood here. Well, God's children became dependent on this trinket. They, they came, became dependent. They thought this was almost a magical thing because they felt God's presence so much when they were near it. And so one time in the olden days, they were at war with an enemy nation and they were losing. So one, somebody said, ding, I have an idea. I'm going to run into back to, back to our, where the ark is and I'm gonna carry it to the front lines of the battle. And surely if the ark of the covenant of God's presence arrives on the battle scene, we could not be defeated. Even though we're getting our butts kicked now, if the ark arrives, we'll be safe. And so they thought that was a good idea and they ran and they got the ark and they rushed it back to the battlefield and basically the enemy killed them and took it and it was captured. And in that, yeah, it didn't work out because they were using God as like a magic genie instead of a person that they were having a relationship with. So it got taken and in that moment, God's presence no longer resided amongst his children. And that's a profound thing because I think a lot of places in our culture, in our world today, even churches sometimes, 
God's presence is not there. And friends, may that never be said of 4640. May we never come together as high school students on a Tuesday night or for a worship night on a Sunday night and come together and say, we were all in the room, but God's presence was not there with us. Like that has to be something we all fight for. I can't just want God's presence in this room for you. You have to want God's presence in this room for yourself. And so may it never be said, but God's presence will depart if God feels disrespected. So obviously there's no ark to depart, but something happens and you've all felt it. In the room, we're here, we're worshiping, the presence is thick, it feels beautiful, and then something happens. Maybe someone messes around, maybe things get awkward, or maybe the presence never felt like it came that night because someone is attacking us and we're not experiencing and inviting God's presence. So I kind of want you to picture 4640 like this for a second. Picture it as a bunker. This is an authentic bunker that could save you from enemy attack. Maybe not, but picture a bunker, right? Picture 4640 as a bunker. The world is harsh, but the church is safe. The world is intense and not necessarily loving, but the church is a safe bunker with which we can withdraw to and be protected in the presence of God. So I want you to imagine 4640 as a bunker for just a second, and then recognize that there are going to be attacks against God's house. There are gonna be attacks that come against this very gathering that, that try to ruin it, that try to mess it up. And one of those attacks we'll call a sniper attack. So a sniper attack would be someone shooting at the bunker from outside. Someone shooting at the bunker from outside trying to pick us off. And so when I see a sniper attack coming against us, that's something that I don't want to happen. So let's take a look at what would a sniper attack look like coming against 4640. Oh, I fell out of the bunker. Hold on. All right. We are in this thing. We are in this bunker. Yeah. For we're, the foreseeable future. Yeah, we're really going to have to bunker down now. So, uh, do you want to go for a walk or something, or? No, we have to, we have to stay here. We are, we are here, we can't go out, there's enemies. Oh, right, 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 because, because it's enemies, right, yeah. Dude, I'm so bored. I'm going stir crazy. I'm just, I gotta, I gotta move. I'm gonna stand up and stretch or no, something. No, 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 you cannot get up, okay? There could be sniper enemies attack just waiting for us to stand up, oh, make a mistake, come and on. then boom, you're dead. Come on, snipers, really, look around. We're alone out here. There are no snipers. Look, I don't even believe that snipers are real, okay? I don't, where are they? Where are the snipers? I could stand up and stretch, no problems at all. We're not Get safe down! Here. Get down! I told you, sniper! So what a sniper might look like coming against the bunker of a 4640 family might be someone from the outside talking, trash talking against 4640 or social media posts against 4640. So that might look like some people saying, man, all you do at 4640 is hang out and have fun. It's not really even a real church. 
All you do is have a spider jump, it's so shallow. Some people might make that accusation or post that accusation. And if that happens, that's a sniper attack from outside, from someone who doesn't know who we are, doesn't know what this house is about, doesn't realize, no, we get serious about God when we come together. And so you and I have a choice in that moment. Are we going to let someone verbally vandalize our house or are we gonna say, wait a second, that's not true. Sorry, your church is boring, but also when we come, we worship. We talk about the Bible. We grow together in our faith. We listen to God. Like, are you gonna stand up? Where someone says, oh man, I saw this picture on social media and you guys aren't even social distancing. You're not even wearing masks. And you're gonna have a decision to make. Are you gonna say, wait a second, and stand up and say, no, I'm gonna protect the house that I'm a part of? Am I gonna stand up? Or someone might say, oh man, I, I met this kid from, said he went to 4640 wearing a 4640 t-shirt and he was messed up. He was a jerk. He wasn't even kind or nice. So everybody who goes to 4640 is a hypocrite. And those are sniper attacks. People just taking pot shots at us trying to say that we aren't a house. And so as high school students who this is your house, this is your safe place, you have to stand up and say, whoa, that's not actually true. I go there every week, and there's a lot of authentic Christ followers there. Yeah, we're not perfect, but yeah, we love Jesus. Like, you're going to have to stand up for who you are and for what house you belong to. And this is what the, this is what the Bible says about it. There was this guy, and he was doing a great work for God. And because he was doing this great work for God, everybody around him got jealous and hateful. And they started like throwing insults and saying crazy stuff about it. And it started discouraging the guy. The guy's name was Nehemiah. And they, they made up lies and they spread the lies. And Nehemiah finally got sick of it. And here's what he said in Nehemiah 6, 8. He said, I replied, there is no truth in any part of your story. You're making up this whole thing. You're just trying to intimidate us, imagining that it would discourage us to stop this work. So I continued the work with even greater determination. Sometimes if someone comes against what you believe or what you think is important in 4640, like, oh, your coach might say, oh, you can miss church. It doesn't matter. It's just one week. And you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, stop. You're not going to dissuade me from the good thing that I'm building with my church family. We're building a home. We're building a place on earth where God's presence comes and we gather together in the presence of God. And what we're doing matters. And so... When we hear those sniper attacks and we hear those cheap shots coming against God's house, we stand up, we say, whoa, 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 that's not true. And I will not let you verbally vandalize my house. I'm not gonna allow it. So a second, a first attack is the sniper attack. A second attack is attacks from within. Now attack from within is when, when somebody from within the church has drama with somebody else from within the church. And all of a sudden, things get a little awkward. Let's take a look at what this would look like. Okay. Okay. What? Oh. What? What is this? Did you poop over here? No. Well, yeah, because that's the poop corner. The food corner's over there. Wait. No. Did you poop over there? This is the food corner. Why did you poop on the? Did you poop on my food? No. Did you poop on my food? Apparently. Apparently, yeah. I thought that was the poo corner. Our communication is not up to par. I clearly said that was the poo corner. Listen, this was the food corner. Listen, that's the food corner. Or the poo. I don't even. 
Well, you got me so confused. No. I pooped there. No. Where did you poop? No, I pooped over there. Well, we pooped on each other's food then. I hope you're happy. Oh, uh, you're happy. Okay, from now on, your side's over there. You don't get to come over here for poop or food or nothing. Fine, you stay over there. Don't come over to my side for poop, food, or nothing also. Fine. 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 Did you just shoot me? Did you just shoot me? Yeah! Ow! Ow! Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Ah! 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 Tap! Tap! Okay, tap it, tap it, tap Attacks from within. So an attack from within could be an awkward situation where someone's your bestie in middle school, and then as you transition to high school, you end up in some kind of drama or different cliques, and all of a sudden, you bring the awkward with you to church. Or maybe you date someone and you're coming to church and you see them across the student center worshiping the Lord and you think, I need to date her, she's so beautiful. And then you start dating but then three weeks later, I mean years later, you break up and then now you're like, how do I go to church with this person that's my ex who's now dating a new person? And then you have to like give evil eyes at each other. Okay, maybe that's more middle school, I hope. But actually legit happened last year in high school. So anyways, that's the attack from within. And so if we're going to build a 4640 family, we're going to build a safe place. We're going to build a place where we can connect and grow in our faith and the presence of God's going to come. We can't have infighting. We can't have drama. We have to give grace to each other, the benefit of the doubt to each other. We have to care about each other. We have to prefer each other over ourselves. And if we're going to build a 4640 family, then that has to be the culture of this place. We can't bring our politics here. We can't bring our attitudes, our cliques here. We have to say, I am going to be loyal and loving and kind. I'm going to reach out to these people outside my own group and like be kind to them and show friendship to them because we're all brothers and sisters in our relationship with Christ. The Bible says in Colossians chapter three, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, love, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if you have any grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And after all of these virtues, put on love, which binds us together in perfect unity. So if you've been coming to 4640 for any period of time, it may have happened that you've got your feelings hurt. Where whether it was I wasn't kind to you, one of my staff didn't pay you the right amount of attention, you felt like another clique was considered cooler or more special than you and you felt blown off. It may have happened that you felt hurt by a friend or an ex-friend or a boyfriend or an ex-boyfriend, but here's the challenge. Can we leave that in the past? Can we forgive as we've been forgiven by Christ? And I acknowledge that I'm not the perfect youth pastor and sometimes I don't do right by every one of you. And for that, I'm truly sorry. And not just me, my whole staff. And so at some level, we have to say, you know what? We are building a great thing together. We're building a student center where the presence of God comes, where people can come and learn about Christ, where we can all get stronger. We're doing a great thing together, building this 4640 family, and it matters more. The group matters more than my individual grievance or hurt. And that's my challenge to you is I, I don't doubt that you've been wronged at church at some point, 
But I challenge you to forgive, to let it go, and to ask God to help that to truly happen in your heart so that you can trust again. So you can trust a small group to share what's going on in your life. You can trust a blue team member to pray with you about something. You can trust a pastor. We want you to be able to withstand any attacks that might come from within. So we got the sniper attack, we got the attack from within. And the third attack that we're gonna talk about tonight is the frenemy attack. And that's when a 4640 student might accidentally cause a disruption that hurts us as a group. Let's take a look. It smells weird in here. I think the enemy's getting close. We better get ready. Oh yeah, don't worry about that. I brought this. Whoa, what is that? It's a grenade. Where'd you get it? The grenade store? I mean, come on, where else do you get them? Come on. Hey, hey can I try it? No, what do you mean try? We only have the one. It's not like a try and then we'll buy it later. It's one and done, it explodes. What are you doing? It's my birthday. I don't, it's not your birthday. Your birthday's in July. I know this. Okay, you're freaking me out, man. No, get up, get up, no, no, get away, get away. I got it. Frenemy. Frenemy is when a 4640 student accidentally does something throughout a service with the best of intention that just kind of blows up the moment where God's trying to speak. And this can, this can sound a little intense, but think about it. Let's say you're in a 4640 service, the presence of God is here, there's a cool moment happening, and you pull out your cell phone, it lights up your face. How many people do you think that pulls away from what God's up to? Six, eight, 10? Or maybe you lean over and you whisper something to your friend that you're sitting next to and you're not trying to be disrespectful. It could even be about what we're talking about or something like, hey, are you going to small group tonight right after this? It might be something even super normal and cool, but in saying so, you whisper and that causes three or four other kids to like look to see what's going on, which then inspires someone else to also whisper and then all of a sudden it's disrupted or the pastor's like, looks over to see what's going on where you're sitting and all of a sudden you didn't mean it you weren't trying to be a jerk you did it because you have a heart for God you want to be here but just accidentally frenemy just accidentally you you cause the peace and the sanctity of the house to be a little bit disrupted and that's something all of us have to be vigilant about we have to choose to be responsible for that and say you know what not in my house not in my house, this house belongs to the Lord. This is God's house and I'm gonna protect that. I'm not gonna let people just wander around during worship. I'm gonna give them a look like, what are you up to? This is not what we're doing right now. And a lot of those behaviors happen a ton in middle school, but as we're not middle schoolers, we're high schoolers, we can create the environment that we want in the house on our night. This is literally what I'm asking you to do is say, you know what? On Tuesday nights, we worship. On Tuesday nights, we lift our hands. On Tuesday nights, we're kind. On Tuesday nights, we don't have clicks. On Tuesday nights, we show love. And that's what we become. And this is what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14. It says, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. As in all the congregations, that means all the Christian gatherings, all the congregations of the Lord's people, there's peace. There's peace during the service. People are listening to the teaching of God's word. People are listening and, and joining in with the worship, joining into the small groups, not disrupting for their own agenda. 
And guys, this is God's house and you are God's daughter. You are God's son. And so as God's son and as God's daughter, you are an owner of the house. You're a tone setter in the house, a culture shaper within the house. When I was a kid, my mom did something that was so dorky, but I'm gonna tell you the story anyways. My brother and I were at each other's throats all day long. He was driving me nuts. Uh, it was my younger brother, John, and he's just a turd. That's all there is to it. Um, and throughout the whole day, we were just after each other, after each other, after each other. My mom finally grabbed us both by the neck and she brought us to the front window of the house. And she gave this really cheesy speech that I give to you now. She said, look out this window. Look out there at the world. Out there, people will be harsh and people will be mean and people will be unkind. And out there, people will be, be, like, have grievances against each other and not forgive each other and be on each other all the time, nitpicking. That's what it's like out in the world. She said, but this is our house and we're a family and that is not how we act. That's not how we live. That's not how we do life. And so then she turned her necks like, you know, the mom when she's married to back into the house. And she's like, this is our home. And in this home, we do kindness and we do love and, and we care about each other and we pray for each other. And, and that's who we are. And you want to be like that? You can go out into the world. But when you are in this house, this is how you'll act. And I thought it was totally cheesy, but um, it's true. And this is God's house. And when we come as his sons and his daughters, right now it's mostly just us. Most of us in this room tonight have been here before, maybe on middle school night, but have been here before. We know who Jesus is. We know who God is. And the time will come in three weeks where we say, everybody come. And people will come who are not sons and daughters of the house. But we hope they'll be sons and daughters of the house. But we have to show them how to act. We have to show them how we communicate, how we talk, how we focus during worship, how we listen to the word. We have to set the tone. We can't let those other people who aren't sons and daughters of the house come in and be like, I'm gonna take over church too because the world has already taken over school. The world's already taken over your workplace. The world's already taken over your sports team. They've already said, you can't pray here. You can't bring your Bible here. You can't talk about God here even though those are all big fat lies and you can't. They're already saying that, but guess what? This is our house. This is our house and we get to say, no, this is where we serve the Lord. This is where we grow in our faith. This is where we fiercely protect each other. And high school students, as we reopen for the first time again, that's what I want for you. I want you to be able to figure out how to ward off sniper attacks, how to ward off fights from within, how to shut down the frenemy attacks. And we're gonna talk about a couple more in the next couple weeks of like, how, who are we going to be? As 46 people, who are we going to be and how are we going to build this house and this church family that God is creating among us? All right, let's pray. God, we love you and we're grateful that we get to be back inside our building. We know our building isn't us, but our building is a really great place we get to be us. And we thank you for this house and we thank you for each member of this family that makes this house a family. And God, we just ask for blessings upon each student in this room, each blue team member, that you would fill them with strength and courage and boldness, that you would increase their faith, God, help them to get the breakthrough that they're needing and be with them. And we thank you that we get to be together again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.